From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Senator John McCain was an American icon. Uh, he was in public service for more than six decades, and in the wake of his death, the nation is mourning. There are services that are recognizing his service uh, and honoring his legacy in Arizona and in Washington and later on in a private burial at the Naval Academy in Annapolis. We're going to talk a little bit about some of our own personal experiences with McCain. Uh, I was one of his constituents for several decades as a native Arizonan, uh, and, but I'm join, being joined by several colleagues who have uh, want to talk about some of the sort of more personal sides that they saw to a very public person and a very policy-oriented person. Uh, Megan Scully covered John McCain as a defense reporter and then later as defense editor for National Journal and now CQ. Niels Lesniewski is Roll Call's leadership reporter. Uh, he specializes in covering the Senate and got to know McCain quite well in a trip to Arizona, but also over the years uh, in the corridors of the Capitol. And Patrick Pexton, uh, a senior editor at CQ, uh, got to know McCain quite well in his time covering the defense industry and also at National Journal and now at CQ. So welcome, all three of you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, um, Patrick. Let's talk with you uh, first. Uh, you know the, your your time. You know, again, you, you covered McCain uh, in the course of covering the defense industry, but you also have this v- rather kind of personal story that we were talking about a little bit. Just uh, that took place in that most anonymous of places, the airport, and on an airplane uh, to Arizona. Yes, this has happened. I think it's almost two years ago now. It was before McCain was diagnosed with his uh, brain tumor. And I was at National Airport here in Washington, D.C., flying to see my brother, who lives in Phoenix. Actually, he lives in Surprise, Arizona. And uh, I saw McCain waiting at the gate for the same flight that I was to Phoenix. And he was just sitting by himself uh, in a chair at National Airport with a stack of newspapers, which is almost ever-present with McCain, and an old beat-up briefcase. And he was just sitting there by himself, and no one was really talking to him. Uh, although people around were kind of buzzing. They knew it was him. And so I, and he had no entourage with him. Those of us who cover Congress know that most congressmen, although not all, travel with an entourage. They have a driver. They have an aide. They have somebody carry their briefcase. Uh, it's a real thing. McCain does not. McCain traveled by himself with a little briefcase, and that's it. And so I went up to him and chatted to him. I had covered him uh, when I worked at Navy Times years ago. Uh, covering the military, and he was on the Naval Academy Board of Visitors, so I talked to him then, uh, and he was just a good source on things Navy. Uh, And then later at National Journal, we covered him extensively, so I had many encounters with him. I went up to him and introduced myself. I said, hey, you may not remember me. You might, because I hadn't seen him in a few years, and and he said, well, I think I remember some of your reporting uh, from Navy Times. I said, well, great. You know, we just chit-chat a little bit. I asked him about Trump because uh, Trump was running then, hadn't got elected, and he said some uh, not very complimentary things about Trump that I won't Hard repeat. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, some other people started to come to him, and he just chatted with them openly, honestly, and then came time for the flight to go, and they let him on board first. I thought, oh, he must be fine business class or first class. No, that was just a courtesy the airline afforded him. I got on the plane. I was in coach. He was two rows behind me in coach. Uh, and uh, there was a seat next to him open. The flight wasn't full. And people during the flight would just come up and say, hi, Senator. Thank you for your service. I have this little complaint. A lot of the people on the plane were from Arizona. And he listened to every single one of them. And then uh, we got to Phoenix. I was out getting my bag. And I saw him exiting the airport again by himself. And I 
I said hello to him, but I said, are you is somebody waiting to pick you up? He said, no, I have a car here. I'm just going to drive myself. <laughs> and that's just who he was. He was not a pretentious man. Uh, he often carried this old uh, briefcase with him and a stack of newspapers because he was an avid newspaper reader. And uh, he was just really gracious with everybody he spoke to on the airplane because he was two rows behind me and I heard most of the conversations. And just approachable, uh, not snobby, uh, just a very regular person, which is one of his uh, qualities that make him so memorable. Niels, uh, so we've got uh, uh, planes and automobiles covered uh, in, in your session, Patrick, uh, and you have the trains uh, part of the planes, trains, and automobiles with John McCain's segment, Niels. Uh, talk about uh, your trip, and, and actually you've been on a, a train in Arizona that I haven't been to, uh, which is you know kind of remarkable. I've been to some of these locales that you're going to talk about, but I actually have never taken the train from Williams to the Grand Canyon. So what, what, tell us about your trip to the Grand Canyon with, with Senator McCain. Sure. So I ended up, uh, this was not not by accident, but I ended up on the the Grand Canyon Railroad uh, with Senator McCain and his wife, Cindy, uh, the week of the 2016 Republican National Convention. So while most all of the attention of uh, the political world and and probably the world at large was on the uh, coronation of Donald Trump as the Republican nominee for president of the United States. Uh, John McCain was basically literally and figuratively as far away as you could be because he went to the Grand Canyon. Now, that leads to the question of how I ended up on the train to the Grand Canyon uh, with with Senator McCain. And uh, this goes to something that is becoming increasingly rare in American politics. And another reason why, you know, so many reporters, even for as much as he would yell at some of us, uh, were still fond of him was he would always entertain reporters' questions and he would always pretty much uh, be accessible. About a month before the Republican convention, I uh, was chatting with him in the basement of the Capitol, as I would. I think it was a slower day around. There weren't any votes and not a lot of reporters. And so I asked him what he was up to during the week of the convention, and he said that he was going to the Grand Canyon, and literally as the elevator doors are closing in the basement of the Capitol, he says, and you should come along. So that led me to be like, okay, wait a minute, did John McCain just invite me to the Grand Canyon? Uh, Curiously, my assignment for the week of the RNC had already been to go out on the trail with some Republican who was not going to Cleveland. I thought I was going to be going uh, to New Hampshire uh, because Kelly Ayotte was not going to the convention, and I assumed that it would be a fairly fairly easy flight from BWI to Manchester on a Southwest flight and mm-hmm. just sort of do that. Instead, uh, we talked to his staff, and yes, the invitation was for real, and yes— uh, we should go to Arizona and, and chase McCain around uh, northern uh, Arizona for three or four days. And and I, I mentioned, too, that when, when we got the news that McCain had died, um, you know, we were, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that that story got out. And then you did a, a sort of a first-person wrap-up the next day where you talked about, like, what that was like. I mean, and I, I'd encourage, you know, people to go to rollcall.com and, and read that story because it's, it does, it, it gives an idea, I think, of why, of how, you know, it, it was a little different. It's hard to imagine that happening with a lot of members of Congress, uh, uh, but, like, McCain was, you know, 
he he really liked to show off the state. Uh, I mean, he really liked to show off, especially things like the Grand Canyon, uh, and it was it's just sort of indicative of kind of the way he. He did business. Um, Megan, you're, uh, you've, you've had a, a long relationship, a long sort of personal connection to McCain over the years. Um, and, and, and some of it, as, as you noted uh, recently, wasn't, it wasn't always so chummy <laughs> that, uh, that the senator did have a, uh, a way of letting you know how he felt uh, when he was not happy uh, with you. But like, let's talk a little bit about your, your relationship, because he, I mean, he saw you before, before you were married, uh, before you had kids, uh, and, and you know, he, he would ask about them. I mean, and it was like, and it was, it, it seemed rather genuine too, right? Yes, yes. He, um, I've known McCain through most of my adult life. I started covering him as a cub reporter um, back in the early 2000s. And um, I covered him through three pregnancies. Uh, I used to joke that uh, my kids could recognize his voice from the womb. Uh, <laughs> that's how frequently I would, uh, my I would friends. shake him out. <laughs> um, and so it, it came as little surprise that um, I was actually uh, in labor um, with uh, my middle son when I was staking out McCain on a scoop, one last scoop I wanted to get on Guantanamo Bay uh, before um, before I went out on maternity leave. And so I was in the basement of the Capitol. You're such a slacker, man. I know. <laughs> it was early labor. It was early labor. Um, it's still a baby like, and, trying to get out of you. <laughs> and I was on day two or day three of the stakeout, um, and he just was like in a mood. Um, he was angry about something and just did not feel like talking to any reporters, um, which would he would he was generally very willing to talk. But then he's a, he was a human being, right? And, and we'd, we're not always wanting to be accessible. Mm-hmm. So I was getting a little nervous. The Capitol Police were getting a little nervous seeing me in the basement of the Capitol, 40 weeks pregnant. Uh, but I was determined to get him. I needed him for the story. So finally, at last, I see him coming off. At one point during the stakeout, he actually ran away from me, um, jumped on the Dirksen subway, and stuck his tongue out at me while the doors were closing. Uh, I just had to laugh. Listen, it just, was classic. Just think McCain. about this imagery too. You've got a <laughs> pregnant woman, a very pregnant woman, trying to catch up to somebody who was more gr- grievously injured forty years before. <laughs> so, like a, one person running with severe injuries dating back to the Vietnam War, and another person with another thirty pounds of child and pregnancy surrounding her. Yeah, he was much <laughs> faster than me at that point. I will say. So finally, I did corner him in the Senate subway. And he just kind of gingerly said to me, hey, how you feeling? You know what they said in the Old West, get out the blankets and the hot water. I never knew what they did with the blankets and the hot water. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there counting my contractions, just wanting to get my question in. And I was just like, well, I hope it doesn't come to that. And I blurted out my question. Um, he graciously answered it, um, and I, I ran up to the Senate press gallery and uh, filed my story and went off and had a kid. Um, and <laughs> but that basically sums up my reporting career. I mean, I I I can't I couldn't even begin to count the number of hours that I spent chasing that man around the Capitol, and and it was an honor to 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 cover him um, on issues of national security. Um, and, and and to be able to talk to him, he, he could answer questions about Pentagon acquisition processes that most bureaucrats in the Pentagon didn't have any idea about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how much he knew these topics. 
It is, you know, kind of interesting to just, you know, think about the scope of, of this guy. I mean, at, you know, at 81 years old, by the way, Wednesday, his, uh, the day that he lies in, sta- in uh, state at the Capitol in Arizona is, would also have been his 82nd birthday. Um, but he, you know, he had so many experiences, you know, from his military career to his senatorial career. And really, whether you agreed or disagreed with him, one of the things that has sort of come, you know, like as, as we've been doing a lot of reading, you know, about about various aspects of his life, is that so many of the people that have the nicest things to say about him actually were in some form adversaries, you know, either politically or in the case. I mean, like being in the press is an adversarial relationship, uh, whether we, you know, it doesn't have to be an unfriendly one, but it, we are covering somebody. We want something that they have um, and information in this case. And so uh, I was just struck by this McCain lived about his his central Arizona retreat was about three miles upstream from my ancestral house in in Cottonwood, uh, and it was interesting to see him as a kind of a neighbor because he like you were saying Patrick I mean he he just went to like shop at Walmart you know and and he <laughs> and he would go get coffee at Starbucks and they they knew who he was at Starbucks they would write his name you know you know Senator McCain on on the on the coffee cups, and something that that stuck struck out to me or stuck out to me was that the being a Democrat in the Verde Valley is not an easy thing. Uh, it's a very heavily Republican area. But a friend of mine, Mike Cosentino, who's a radio personality, he and some other Yavapai County Democrats, earlier this year, they sent a letter to McCain, uh, to, to, his, to his residence actually in Phoenix. But they said, you know, we, we're your neighbors. And even though we don't agree with you on a, on a whole host of issues, we really appreciate like who you are as a, as a public official and that you make yourself accessible. And you're just a, you know, like a, a good neighbor. And we wanted to thank you for that. And that to me sums up a lot about being what being his constituent was and probably why he kept on winning. I think maybe a good way to to wrap up the podcast too is just to go around and and ask each one of you, you know, because we have these experiences covering him as a public official and also just on a on a personal level, like what you'll what you'll miss the most uh, about uh, McCain and and as a you know as a public official or as a you know sort of an American icon, however what you will, and and what uh, you know like there's already tributes about ways people can you know, sort of wrap their heads around this. And I, f- I feel like, you know, Lindsey Graham had this speech on the on the Senate floor yesterday, Niels, that you covered. And then also he, you know, he sort of outlined afterward what he thought would be a good legislative legacy. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm curious what, what you all will, will miss the most uh, about covering this person. Uh, I know exactly what I'll miss the most about covering him. He had a singular ability in Armed Services Committee hearings to make admirals and generals shake in their boots. I watched a hearing once. It was about 1994, I think it was. It was armed services, and there was an army general there just droning on about something and not answering the lawmakers' questions. And it got to be McCain's turn to ask the general questions. And he had a stack of papers and binders in front of him, McCain, and he picked them up and he slammed them on the table and he said, General, God damn it, you're not being responsive. I want you to answer the question. And he just went on a tirade with this general. But the general answered every question. And I ran into McCain later in the hallway afterwards. And he said, yeah, he said, that maybe is a little over the top, but it worked. <laughs> Niels? So, so I think my, my memory and th- what I'll miss the most, uh, really, about Senator McCain uh, is, aside from the accessibility and what we've talked about, uh, here is I will actually miss the terrible jokes. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And I didn't realize, you know, it took me far too long, far too many times hearing the joke about intercepting a missile with my own airplane <laughs> to realize that he was actually making a joke about getting, getting shot, shot out, out of the sky. It was probably the third or fourth time before I really picked on, picked up on what he was actually joking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so there's that. And then the other thing uh, that I will say is to have had the experience at the Grand Canyon uh, also gave me the opportunity to see him with Cindy mm-hmm. uh, away from the spotlight. You know, we obviously had seen her in very public forums, mm-hmm. and she's going to be carrying on. A lot of his work, uh, I'm sure, when it comes to uh, foreign policy and and the Institute and so on. Uh, But how close they really were uh, was something that to see up close when there's really no one else around uh, was also really important. Um, I think I'll miss his uh, his humanity. Um, you know, we all talk about him, you know, even when he was alive and especially now that he has died um, as an American icon and an American hero, uh, both of which he was. But he was also a regular person. Um, he made mistakes along the way, mistakes that at times he regretted, mistakes that he admitted. Um, uh, he, as Neil said, he, you know, he, he talks about um, when his when his plane went down, um, you know, and, and he would joke and say, well, I had one uh, one more takeoff than I had landing as a Navy pilot. I wasn't a very good one. Um, he was a, a, a normal person who who wanted to have relationships with people he was in touch with um, on a day to day basis, be it reporters or staff. Um and he cared. He cared about these people, and he cared about the institution um, as much as he was such a huge part of it. Um, and uh, I think I'll, I'll just miss sort of McCain the person as much as I'll miss McCain the icon. I, th- I think that's a really good way to wrap up. And and I I mean just not to um, put too fine a point on it, but like about the iconography, but being an Arizonan, I mean, you know, McCain was from somewhere else, right? Like a lot of people in Arizona. He was born in the Panama Canal Zone. Uh, and and you talk about the humanity and that humor, uh, you know, that, that keeps coming up. The, um, his joke when he was accused of being a carpetbagger when he was running the first time for the House in 1982, uh, he, he disarmed it almost immediately with humor and also with, you know, a, like a sort of a nod to his past, which is that, well, up until I was a military brat, and up until this point, the longest time I'd ever stayed in a red, one residence was the Hanoi Hilton. Uh, and it just... It just quieted the issue right there. It's also a ridiculous, you know, sort of uh, criticism of him, considering how many people from were from somewhere else in Arizona. But it's hard to imagine him from being anything else but an Arizonan. And I think the place is is poorer for not having John McCain uh, as as its senator now, regardless of where you fall uh, politically. So, Patrick, Niels, Megan, thank you so much for sharing your stories, uh, and uh, thank you for, you know, kind of the the good work that that you do. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and the stories that we've even talked about on this podcast, you can visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. Thank you for listening.